Thank you so much. And um, yeah, you don't, guys. You can. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I don't know. Have you got a chair? Yeah. You might. Yeah, if you if you could stay, that would be great. And um, when I do something funny, like make a joke, what would you do? Okay. <laughs> And when I'm getting really dramatic and it's getting really like heavy, dramatic, intense. Okay, I think we're good to go. I know we've prayed loads, but do you mind if we just pray one more time? Lord, saturate this place. Have your way. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth that sets us free. And your word that is like a two-edged sword. Come and do surgery. Come and break chains. And that your anointing be here that breaks the yoke. Lord, come and do what only you can do in this place. Everybody said? Amen. 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 High five some people. So good to see you. You're looking amazing. Praise God. We've got to honour some people in this place. First of all, we've got to honour Pastor Kathy for taking on the mantle, being a mum, mum to the movement. Um, thank you. Thank you for all the pastors, um, campus pastors in this place. Where are you? Give me a wave if you're a campus pastor in this place. Thank you. We honour you as well. And we honour Pastor Helen for blazing the way. Blazing the trail. For us to follow and you continue to do so. And we are so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Now, um, let me just tell you a little bit about myself. You know, I know Pastor Kathy's already done that. But I am I'm born to Ch Chilean parents. So I've got the Latin situation going on. Any Spanish-speaking people here? I'm telling you, I've identified an unreached people group. So, um, and also born in Australia, um, lived there till I was 25, got married to a British man who took me away from everything I knew and um, took me all the way to Britain and uh, we've been there um, for the last 22 years. So, someone do the math. How old am I? 25. Excellent. Excellent maths. Thank you so much. So, and yeah, my daughter is 18. Um, my son is 14. Uh, both born on the 22nd of August, three years apart. I know. My husband is convinced it's because we are disciplined in our house. I became a British citizen three years ago. So I waited 19 years to take the plunge. I figured that you don't rush these things. Now what really happened is that they, had, they made me take an exam. Made me take an exam, read a book. I mean, I had to learn obscure things about the British people and about British culture. So it was a very strange experience, but I finally got it done and praise the Lord. I don't have to go to the, you know, servants queue every time I go through Europe anymore. <laughs> Seriously. My children, both British, my husband, British, and they would be like sailing through all these passport control places and I would have to be like, yeah, hey, I'll see you. Just stay, you know. Anyway. So British, and my husband told me that as soon as I turned Brit British that my IQ went up. <laughs> so when he regained consciousness, <laughs> I felt we needed to discuss it. And uh, no, he's good. 
So, yeah, we're in Manchester. Manchester. Um, it's the home of uh, two big soccer teams that you would know, football in our uh, language. And, uh, you know, my, my husband is a staunch Man City fan. Yes. Any, and we have in our church Man United fans. Yes. You see, because God brings people together. Anybody who just wasn't sure whether God existed, the fact that you can have Man City fans and Man United fans in the same church loving each other is just a miracle in itself. So that's really cool. Um, I have written a book, which I brought with me. It's called Stay. And I'm going to share with you why um, I wrote this book in um, my message tonight. I've also be doing a book signing after the service, so if you'd like to purchase the book, it would be my joy and pleasure to, to sign it for you. And that led to a TV show. Yes, me and Oprah. We are talk show hosts. Um, you know, I, I, I can see that she's had longer, you know, more experience um, doing the TV show thing, but uh, I, it was brilliant. We took people who had gone through major crisis, major challenges in their life, and we interviewed them on TV about how they journeyed through that challenge with the Word of God. It was absolutely brilliant. And if you, I think you can access it. If you want to check it out, if you look on tbnuk.org and look for my name, it should come up. There's about 13 episodes, and there were, it was absolutely so much fun to do. And uh, we, might, might, we might do it again. But what I want to do is I want to get to the Word of God. Is that okay? Brace yourselves because I'm going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Okay, we're going to look at Matthew 14, verse 22 to 32. If you've got your Bibles there. Has anyone got a paper Bible? Wave your paper Bible at me. Wow. You hang in there. Traditionalist, I like it. For me, when the large print Bible is no longer legible, you know you've got a problem. So I've got to go to the electronic version so I can put the font on really big. Now it's like a, a word a page, but you know, at least I can read it. Okay, we're going to be here a while, but it's going to be all right. So Matthew 14, verse 22, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen. They were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, Tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. I love this story. I mean, this is, this is a famous account in the Bible. Peter walks on the water. But I want to know if anybody has been kind of, you know, gone from an absolute high where everything is going so well in your life that you just think, this is awesome. 
family is good, work's good, church is good, your soul is good, everything's going really well, you and Jesus, you're just like this. Every time you open the Bible, it's kind of like leaping out of you, God's speaking to you, you know, this, everything is going great. Only from one day to the next, to have everything change and everything go horribly wrong. This is what the disciples were facing. Because the Bible says in verse 14, immediately after this. Immediately after what? Because if we look back in the passage beforehand, this is when Jesus had just fed the 5,000 men plus women plus children. The disciples have been walking with Jesus about a couple of years and they were living the dream. I mean, they were like seeing Jesus speak to the multitudes and amaze the multitudes. People were saying, we've never heard anything like this. We've never heard this kind of authority. We've never heard this kind of message. Jesus was saying to them, you have heard it was said, but I tell you, he was changing everything. Not only that, but he was he was healing the sick. Blind eyes were opening. Disciples were right there watching these incredible miracles take place. The lame were walking. I mean, it was exciting. You never knew exactly what was going to happen any at any time of the day. People were breaking roofs, lowering sick people. I mean, it was chaos, crazy, but so cool. And now they've just seen Jesus feed thousands of people with a little boy's lunch. I mean, this is living the dream. I'm thinking there was high fives going on. You know, I'm thinking there could have been a belly bump or two. I mean, the disciples are like, this is awesome. We were born for this. King, honestly, it couldn't get much better than what if we have just witnessed thousands of people eating with 12 baskets left over. I mean, there were leftovers. How is that even possible? And then Jesus, this is even, I think this is the best part of the story. Jesus insists that the disciples get in the boat and go to the other side. And that Jesus would stay and dismiss the crowd. That is awesome. That's like being at your own party and somebody saying, you go to bed. I'm going to clean up the house. That is awesome. I would love that person. He insists, he insists, you've got to go. You've got to go on into the boat and I will dismiss all those thousands of people. So the, I'm thinking the guys are like, are you sure? Are you sure, Jesus, we could stay, we could help you? No, 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 I insist. You go to the other side and the disciples are like, this is amazing. So we've just seen you feed all these people. We're going to the other side. Jesus, we're just gonna, it's just gonna, we're just, we're rolling now, aren't we? We're, we're on a roll now. On the other side, we're gonna be doing the same thing, right? You know, and Jesus, yeah, you know, I'll see you on the other side, you know, but this is so cool, Jesus. We just love this. Uh, uh, I'm so excited that we get to be a part of this. We're just so, we're so honored to be here. This is just amazing. Thank you so much. And they get into their boat and they're just like, this is awesome. Getting into the boat and, and I can imagine that the sun was beating down on their faces. And that the wind was blowing their hair. And they were singing a song. A sailing song. I am sailing. I am sailing. Stay with me. Cross the water to destiny. Free. 
And then all of a sudden, you can imagine the scene, can't you? You know those sailing movies where everybody's like, sun. And then all of a sudden, these dark clouds start to gather. And it's like the sun is covered and suddenly it's all dark. And then the thunder and then the lightning and then the wind starts to blow and the waves start to grow. And it's almost like, they're in this massive storm. And all of a sudden, they're in the fight for their lives. They're trying to stay afloat. They're trying to survive this storm. They're trying to to make sure that, that they've got everything right. But the storm is raging. Have you ever been in a situation like that where everything was going so well? Maybe you're a teenager in this place and you've been to youth camp and God has spoken to you. You went forward and God says, I have called you by name. You are mine. I have chosen you. Together we're going to do great things. And you're like, God was so close. He is so near. I feel so, you know, I feel like he's, he's with me. I know he's with me. He's given me a promise. I'm so excited about my future. Only to maybe come home and have to sit down with your parents. And your parents say to you, mom and dad love you. We just don't love each other. What happened? Everything was going so well. And maybe, maybe God, you felt called to business. And you thought, yes, I'm going to serve God with my business. I'm going to glorify the Lord with my business. I'm going to conduct it by kingdom principles. And I'm going to give, you know, I'm going to be generous with my profits. I'm going to give to the kingdom. I'm going to finance the kingdom of God on earth. And I'm going to, and, and you felt called. And then from one day to the next, you got into your boat. And all of a sudden, you're facing bankruptcy. happened everything was going so well maybe marriage maybe you you said I do and it was all before you you had a, you had a picture of what your life would be like how it would just be you know one bliss moment to another bliss moment to another bliss moment and you'll be serving the Lord together and you got in your boat and then the clouds and the thunder and the lightning and the wind and the waves and you thought how did I get here have you ever had a moment like I want to tell you, there's a, this is a storm, but there's a, it's a very unique storm. Can I have the keyboard down in the fallback for me, please? It's a unique storm. It's got two unique characteristics. The first characteristic is that it's a storm that is not a result of sin. It's not a result of disobedience. It's when you're smack bang in the middle of the will of God. Jesus told them to get in the boat and to go to the other side. These guys are following exactly what Jesus asked them to do. The second characteristic of this storm that is unique to this storm is that seasoned fishermen, people who understood how to handle a boat, knew how to handle it in fair weather and in bad weather, that seasoned fishermen still could not fix or were terrified of this storm. They couldn't handle it. They were stuck in this storm. Their, their strength had been taken. They, their, nothing 
that they knew to do was working that was going to help them in their storm. They thought they were going to die. Especially when they saw Jesus walking on the water and they thought it was a ghost. They thought, this is it. A ghost is a bad omen. We are definitely going to die. But then, Jesus in the midst of this storm speaks a word and says, don't be afraid. It's me. (laughs) You know, it's nice in this quiet auditorium to think about this, but I want us to put, try and put yourself into the storm. The storm would have been loud. It would have been frightening. It would have been strength sapping. It would have been, um, you, you wouldn't be able to even to hear yourself think. I don't even know if they could have even heard each other. It was loud when you hear the wind wailing and the, and the waves crashing. It's a loud situation. When you are in a storm like this, it is a very loud thing because the voices of inadequacy, the voices in your head that tell you, this is your fault, are so loud. They tell you if you were better, you wouldn't have been in this storm. There are voices that say, Where is your God? Where is He now? Because in your storm, you've been fighting it for a long time. And it's easy to think that you've been abandoned. Because where is Jesus anyway? But somewhere in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the noise, in the midst of these loud voices, of inadequacy, of insecurity, of blame. If you hear, if you listen, there is a voice of the Lord. He's not abandoned you. He's come for you. And He's in the middle of your storm saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's just me. You know, um, I became a Christian when I was 16 years of age. And I have loved God ever since. I've only wanted to serve Him. For the rest of my life, I've never wanted to do anything else. I've always just wanted to give Him my life. I wanted to tell people about Jesus. It was a radical moment for me when I gave my heart to God because it was like being in black and white and going into colour. It was going from nothing makes sense to now my life makes sense. And I have served him with all my life. And that journey took me to England. And I was so excited. I was so excited about what God was going to do, that I was going to be part of what God was doing in Great Britain. And that we, Glenn and I, were going to partner with the church there, and we were going to see a generation rise up who believe God, who believe that He is big, who believe that He is good, who believe that He is faithful, who believe that they can do great things in His name, that we were going to see a generation rise up and that that move of God would spill into Europe. I could see it. I could see it in my spirit, and I was so excited, so honoured to be asked, to go to England. Ten years ago, our senior pastors, who we had served for 11 years, released us to go and pioneer a church in Manchester. So I've been there 11 years. We'd been youth pastors for our pastors. We'd been assistant pastors. We'd been associate pastors. We got involved with Youth Alive over there the youth department of the Assemblies of God. We had been part of, um, you know, doing training, doing mission. We had done a conference, a youth and young adults conference every year. I'm not a novice. I fought my battles. I faced my storms. But 10 years ago, we got sent to go to Manchester to pioneer a church. And I was so excited. 
I thought, you know what? This is my moment. I mean, all my life has been building to this moment. This is it. You know, because we're all senior pastors, we could like, you know, call the shots. And, um, and I was like, you know, I've been watching my senior pastors. You know, I've been watching other people. And I think I got this down. I think I got it down. I've, you know, I've fought my own fights. I've overcome in Jesus' name. And now, I'm ready. I, I mean, the whole thing was just a, just getting ready. And I just thought, Jesus, this is my moment. Come on, let's do it. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to the other side. We're going to Manchester. Woohoo! And the sun was beating down. The wind was in my head. And I was singing my sailing song. I am sailing. I am sailing. Cross the water to Manchester. I was, I was ready. I thought, you know what? I've been around the block. And I know what I'm doing. Two years into pioneering Manchester, which was my moment, don't forget. I was stepping into everything that I felt God had said over my life. All the stuff that I hadn't seen yet. All the stuff that, that God had showed me when I was 17 and I was yet to see it. I thought, this is it. This is it. Two years in. It was a night like any other night. I didn't see it coming. I had no inkling what was about to happen to me. I had, we had dinner with another couple who were going to pioneer a church in Birmingham. And they'd come to us and they were asking for advice. Because, you know, <laughs> we know some stuff. And uh, they went home, Glenn went to bed, I stayed up for a for a little while and I thought right I'm going to bed now and that was the first night that I didn't sleep now I know what it is to pull an all-nighter I know what it is I was a youth pastor for goodness sake we used to do every New Year's Eve we used to do a 12-hour party where we would start at nine o'clock at night and finish at nine o'clock in the morning and then we would go home and die I remember the days, being a university student, thinking I've got to get an essay in in the next day and pull it all nighter to get that essay done. Been there, done that. I've had children for goodness sake. I know what it is to stay up through the night because your baby's got wind and it won't move. I know what it is. But I have never experienced a night where I never felt like sleeping. Never felt tired. And I remember five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, the, the alarm clock going off, Glenn turning around and having the audacity to say good morning. <laughs> and I said to him, I didn't sleep last night. And he said, you know, trying to wake up, what? I said, I didn't sleep last night. It's no big deal, is it? Maybe you catch up in the day. Have a nap. Maybe that will help. Couldn't do it. I decided a few, uh, about a year earlier, to take my kids out of school and homeschool. Yeah. Pushed me over the edge, that did. <laughs> so I had two primary school children looking at me every morning going, what are we doing today, Mum? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm trying not to cry uncontrollably. Because that first night I thought, no, I'm going to be really tired and I'm going to sleep the second night. I didn't sleep the second night. The third night, really tired, I'm definitely going to sleep tonight, right? But no, I only managed an hour, maybe 45 minutes, but it was at 5 o'clock in the morning just before I had to get up. I thought I was losing my mind. Because anybody who knows what sleep deprivation is like knows that it starts to have an effect on your emotions and on your physical body. 
Now I'm starting to shake in the day. I'm just, you wouldn't be able to see it to the naked eye, but I'm starting to, to shake. All it would take was a, just a question. So what are we having for dinner? And I'd start to shake. My children, just trying to get them to sit down and do some work. My tolerance levels would nil. And I would have to just say, can you just try that? And I would take myself to the bathroom and just say, Lord, I don't understand. I don't know what is happening to me because there was nothing that I could pin it on. It's not a crisis. It's not an event. It's not, I'm not sick. What is going on? And when you don't understand what you're going through, that is frightening. Because at least if I could say, oh, it's because of that, or it's because of that, then maybe I could fix it. But this is a storm like no other storm that I've ever faced because I can't fix it. I don't know what to do. I take myself to the, the GP, to my doctor, and I say, look, I'm not sleeping. Can you please help me sleep? And they said, Mrs. Barrett, we don't do that. And I'm like, why? I know that you've got tablets that make people sleep. Why can't you give me one of them? Oh, Mrs. Barrett, we don't do that. What do you mean? I just need to sleep. I just need one, just one night's sleep. They said to me, would you like to see a mental health visitor? I'm like, whoa. I can't sleep. Who said anything about mental health? But you know what? By that point, I was desperate. And I did think to myself, I would speak to Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and all of the team, if I thought it would help me. We don't do that. I remember thinking, I must have deep issues. So deep that I don't even know what they are. I rang a friend of mine. After a few months, I started to fall into a pattern where I just didn't sleep for about three nights and then I would sleep for maybe an hour. And then it was like my body went, woohoo, got some sleep and then just wouldn't sleep again. And I was like, I was a mess, an absolute mess, shaking, afraid, can't fix it, don't know what's going on, thinking I am seriously losing it. Seeing a mental health visitor, which is, you know, lovely. I ring my friend and I say, and I tell her what's happening. And I said, I don't know what's happening. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what, what is going on. Everything was going great. Church is going great. Kids are great. Glenn's great. We're all great. This is my moment. I'm stuck here. What is going on? And my friend said to me, I think, I don't know about your issues. I was like, okay. But she said, I think Jesus is in it. Honestly, I'd never even considered it. I was like, really? Really? Because I've been fighting. And you see, in these, this storm, we fight. And we say, this is not fair. I didn't do anything. I didn't sign up for this. What am I doing here? This was not part of the plan. Lord, this was not in the brochure. When you told me all the promises, yes and amen, you know, seated in heavenly places, you know, all things under your feet, blessed with every spiritual blessing. Where is this in the brochure? I don't understand. But the minute she said, I think Jesus is in it, I made a choice. And I said, then I embrace it. I don't understand why I'm here, but I'll embrace it. And I will learn what I need to learn and I will do what I need to do. You know, a little bit later, I told my, a, a friend of mine who's a psychologist. And I explained to him, I'm now five months in this chronic sleeplessness. And uh, I tell him my, my symptoms, and he says, Soph, um, you're exhausted. You're mentally exhausted. 
And he said, in fact, he said, you're on the road to burnout. You see, where you're going is not good. It's not good. I've seen people down the end of this road and it's not good. He says, what you're going to have to do is reevaluate your life and you're going to have to learn how to rest. Well, back up, buddy. Because I was thinking, what do you mean I'm on the road to burnout? I said, you don't know me. You don't know me. You don't understand that I am the biggest underachiever in this place. to burnout. I don't do enough. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I can tell you, like I, I can pull out a list as long as your arm of all the things that I should be doing that I am not doing. <laughs> How is that even possible that I'm on the road to burnout? He said, nevertheless, your brain is exhausted. You've depleted your serotonin, which is the hormone that makes you relax, and instead, you're injecting adrenaline. Well, that explains the shaking. <laughs> and the fact that I want to run in the middle of the night when I hate running. <laughs> he said, you're going to have to learn how to rest. Let's go back to the disciples, shall we? They're in the boat and the storm is raging and they see Jesus. You see, Jesus is in the middle of their storm. And I'm with the disciples up until this point. Because I was there high-fiving, loving Jesus, loving serving Jesus. Went into my boat on my way to Manchester thinking, this is my moment. And I, everything's going to go swimmingly. Hit my storm, thought, uh-oh, this is big. Never been in a storm like this before. What is going on? I'm, I have no strength. I have no wisdom. I have no, nothing, nothing in my experience is helping me in this storm. And all of a sudden, I'm faced with the fact that Jesus is in my storm. And now I'm thinking I'm saved. Oh, Jesus, you're in my storm. And I'm with the disciples thinking, this is awesome. I bet the relief was incredible. Jesus is here. here we are saved. We are not going to die. And I reckon John said to Peter, Peter, you've got the loudest voice. You tell Jesus. Because let's face it. If Jesus was out there walking on the water and you're dying in the boat, I would say, Jesus, get in the boat. you there, I need you here, I need you here, I need you to do your whole peace be still thing, <laughs> like you did before, could you just do your peace be still, because that's what we want him to do, we said, Lord, you helped me before, you made the storm go away, can you just do that, that thing again, where I cried out to you, you pulled me up, you know, you put my feet on a rock, you gave me a new song to sing, you know, let's do that bit, let's do that. Jesus, just make it stop. And so they say to Peter, you've got the loudest voice. You tell him, get in the boat and do your peace be still thing. And Peter's like, guys, got it. I've got it. I've got it. Leave it with me. Jesus, if it's really you, tell him to get in the boat. Tell him to get in the boat. Got it. Got it. If it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. the disciples are like, have you lost your mind? Let's throw this guy over anyway. He is useless to us. How is this going to work? You're going to get off. You're going to go. You're going to drown. And we're going to be left here. And Jesus, I don't know what he's doing. I, none of this makes sense. All of this is crazy. But I want to suggest to you that in your storm, where Jesus is, he is there, but he Peter didn't need Jesus to prove himself by taking the storm away. And this is what we do. God, if you really love me, if you were really for me, if you really wanted me, and if you really were my father, and if you were a good father, if you were faithful, if you were helpful in any way, you would take this storm away. And we get confused when he doesn't take it away. But I love what Peter does. He didn't need Jesus to prove himself by taking away the storm. He needed to hear something that he had heard before. 
You see, two years earlier, he was mending his nets and he had his five-year plan. He had his 10-year plan. He had his, his whole life mapped out before him. He was going to have a big family and he was going to be amazing and he, he would have his community and he would be doing this and he would be doing that. It's just like his father had done and just like his grandfather had done and down throughout the ages, he knew who he was. But one day, a man comes to him, and I don't know what it was about this man, and I don't know what it was about the moment, and I don't know what it was about what he said. But something that he said made Peter drop everything, walk away from his life, walk away from his security, walk away from everything he knew. And that word was... A little bit later, he was there with Jesus and, and, and a, a group of followers. And he heard Jesus say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And now he's in the storm of his life. He has nothing. He has no wisdom. He has no experience. He has no strength. And in this moment, he says, if it's really you, I need you to tell me because I know your voice. And if I hear what I heard before, then I'll know it's you. Tell me to come. Tell me to come to you walking on the water. Because I would rather be with you, Lord Jesus, in the storm than be safe in this boat of my experience and my wisdom and my understanding. You see, in your storm, ladies, there is an invitation. And the invitation is very simple. Just come. Just come. No, don't look to the waves. Don't try and work it out. Don't try and figure it out. Don't, don't try and come up with all the answers. Don't try and go back into your past and try and figure out what it was that it was. No, just come. Just come. The Bible says that Peter walked, got out of the boat, walked on the water. And then he looked to the right. to the left and the Bible said that he sank straight away <laughs> but then the Bible says immediately Jesus grabbed him and I can see Jesus going hey hey I told you to come you just stay here you don't have to look about that don't listen to that don't work, try and work that out. Don't be intimidated by that. Don't be intimidated by the doctor's report. Don't be intimidated by the fight you just had. Don't be intimidated by your bank balance. You just stay here. You just stay here. Just come. You see, ladies, I'm going to say something that you might think it's settle, settle down, so. But in actual fact, I think these storms come and they are the kindness of God. How could that be possible? Number one, because it forces us to acknowledge that we can't do this in our own strength. You see, I'm convinced, ladies, that we weren't called to a good life a nice life, a clean life, a polite life, a life where you don't cheat, you don't steal, you don't swear, all the time. <laughs> Ladies, we're called to an impossible life. A life that we could not live on our own. We are here in this life from start to finish, dependent on the Holy Spirit, dependent fully on the grace of God, fully on what Jesus has done for us. That's why He said to His disciples in John 15, remain in me and I will remain in you. Without me, you can do nothing. It's in the storm 
comes that we find ourselves in the middle, smack bang in the middle of His will where our experience and wisdom don't seem to be cutting it. We're rebuking the storm. We're like, you know, we're shouting at the storm. Nothing's working. You know, we're repenting of this, repenting of that. Repenting of stuff we've never done. We're like, Jesus, is, is this punishment? We're berating ourselves. We're berating ourselves, saying, if you were better, this wouldn't be happening to you. If you were a better mother, if you were a better person, if you were more holy, this would not be happening to you. If you hadn't have made that mistake yesterday, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it's loud. But then Jesus comes in the middle of the storm and he reminds us, hey, you were never meant to do this on your own anyway. My strength, my power, fully my strength. You're not a hybrid car. <laughs> Choosing electric and then petrol. Electric. And that's how we live sometimes. We're like, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for the eternal life. Thank you so much for destiny. And then we kind of run in our own strength. When did we, when did we make the shift? Where we thought it's by grace we are saved. By faith. And then all of a sudden, we think we've got to be perfect. We think we've got to be strong. We think that we've got to be good. We think that we've got to be, I don't know, right. We've got to be so amazing. And then we berate ourselves for not being so amazing. And then we hit this storm, and all of a sudden, we, we realize it was never supposed to be in our strength. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. The thing is that we're good at coming to God in a crisis. Oh, God, save me, as Peter was sinking. But that's not our destiny. That's not why Jesus died on the cross. That's not why he poured out his Holy Spirit. That is not why he paid that price for us. He paid a price for us so that we would be fully dependent on him. That we would be full of his Holy Spirit. That we would not even attempt to do anything in our own strength. It's not about your ability. And it's not about your lack of ability. It's not about your success. And it's not about your failures. It's not about your intelligence. It's not about your charisma. It's not about your gifting. It's not about any of that. It's about Jesus and everything that He has done for us. If you're there and you're thinking, you know what, I'm not good enough. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Now can we just rely on the Holy Spirit? That's what we're supposed to be doing anyway. Why are you mad? I'm not gifted enough. Praise the Lord. Because He's going to equip you with everything that you need. Oh, I'm not qualified enough. Praise the Lord. Do you think any of us are? We're called to... The the impossible. Who is qualified for that? <laughs> Anything less than the impossible, ladies, is well beneath you. And this is what I want to prophesy, is that the storms that seek to overwhelm you, that seek to intimidate you, that seek to tell you that it's you are to blame and it's your fault, and if you were only good enough, and if you were only bad enough, all those things that seek to overwhelm you and keep you small and keep you frightened and keep you powerless. When we come to Jesus, you will defy the very things that would seek to overwhelm you. In fact, you will stand on the very thing that seeks to overwhelm you. Because in the power of the Holy Spirit, everything, Everywhere we walk becomes solid ground. And Peter walked on 
the water. You know, I learned that I had to meditate in God. Meditate. Mate, I was a Hindu for a year when I was 15. So I thought I had meditation down. (laughs) Meditate in God's presence. What is that? My friend said, so if you're going to have to learn to rest and meditate in God's presence, which is really funny because I'm trying to sleep. I can't sleep. You realize that, right? But then I realized that remain, that word remain, it means to dwell It means to continue. It means to tarry. It means to stay. You see, we don't just come to Jesus in a crisis. We come to him on the water and then we learn to stay there. Remain in me and I will remain in you. See, I can't teach you everything that I learned in my storm. That's why the book, but that's what it's about. It's about learning to come to Jesus, not just in the storms of life, but all through your life. And when you come, learn how to stay. Because that's when the Bible talks about meditating. That's what the Bible talks about when it says contemplate, consider Him, fix your eyes on Jesus. That's what the Bible is talking about when it says take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That when we come to the Lord, we learn to stay. We learn to look. We learn to look and we learn to look and keep looking. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left, but keep looking at the Lord. Keep looking at His truth. Keep listening to what He's saying. What are you saying, Lord? What is true in my circumstance? And I'm going to look, and I'm going to look, and I'm going to look. And even when it's uncomfortable, I'm going to keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. And when I don't feel like it, I'm going to keep looking, keep looking, and keep looking because it's the truth that's going to set me free. If you're in a storm here tonight, I've come for you. But if you're not in a storm, or you've been in a storm, can I just say storms? This kind of storm is part and parcel of our lives. Because this is not a storm of disobedience. It is not a storm of sin. This is a storm that comes when you are walking in the will of God. But it's a storm that you are destined to walk over. You just have to come. And when you come, learn how to stay. Amen.